Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Dr. Tosin Surgery. On this episode, I had a discussion with um, a doctor friend, um, an old classmate, um, Dr. Cyril Erme. Cyril Erme is working as the task manager for one of the COVID-19 task forces, especially based in Abuja, where they have set up um, a 500 bed isolation center, one of the biggest in Nigeria. I'm looking to help the patients um, in Abuja's therapy center and um, center of excellence for treating COVID-19. The unique discussion stemmed from the fact that Cyril um, was hit with COVID-19 himself during the setup of the place and um, trying to treat patients. Um, we talk about his battle with the infection, the effects it had on him, and um, the psychosocial impact that we all tend to want to forget. Um, for this episode, I've put timestamps in the show notes for people that want to jump to specific areas. I do apologize. Um, this podcast goes to about 30 minutes. So if you want to skip straight to each particular areas, check the show notes. The timestamps will be there if you want to listen to parts that talk specifically about the symptoms of infection. If you want to talk about parts that um, relate to the drugs he used for treatment and what we're trying to, they're recommending back home in Nigeria. And of interest is the new discussion of um, a colloquial term we're using for persistent symptoms that seem to last even after the infection has gone. We're calling it the post-COVID syndrome. It's not a term that has been coined officially yet in the literature, but terms seem to describe it properly. And all the show note timestamps, all timestamps are in the show notes for you to have a look. So have a listen to the episode as usual drop a five-star review leave your comments let me know what you think and um, yes have a good time so welcome everybody again welcome to dr tosin's surgery and um, today i've got a longtime friend schoolmate and a colleague of mine um, we're discussing the coronavirus special again it's a covid19 episode and um, i've got cyril here dr cyril erame who is a consultant, consultant neurologist, uh, but is now working as the case manager and the COVID-19 task force in Federal Ministry of Health in Abuja. And um, he's got a unique perspective to this. Um, Cyril, um, if you don't mind just introducing yourself and um, letting my listeners know who you are. Okay. So my name is uh, Dr. Cyril Oshoma Erame. So I'm a consultant neurologist and a physician in um, era specialist teaching hospital era in Edo State, it's a tertiary hospital under the Federal Ministry of Health in Nigeria. So it's tertiary hospital, seven, about 500 square kilometers between Benin and Lokoja, that's Lokoja being Kogi State. So it's a highly specialized hospital. It's also a center for infectious diseases. Um, we are the um, Primary center of excellence for management of Lassa fever. We're also involved in research concerning Lassa fever and other viral hemorrhagic fevers. And so when it came to the COVID time, based on our expertise, my, my hospital lab, which is already specialized in doing PCROs, we have this German collaboration with um, Bernard Nosch Institute for Tropical Medicine in Hamburg. And so they had, they had been supporting us for um, PCR testing for Lassa fever. So 
with the COVID-19 um, uh, pandemic coming, my center was the first place to actually try on PCR for COVID-19. Wow. So making us also in the forefront for COVID-19 response in Nigeria. So based on our experience with last health fever and viruses, the Federal Ministry of Health co-opted my chief medical director and the person of Professor um, Sivanos Okobeni uh, into the um, tax force for COVID-19 response in Nigeria. So he and his team, which I'm part of, they were, part, they were also um, part of accrediting centers around Nigeria for treatment of COVID-19 isolation centers. So I was drawn up from another for a, for a team with him, seconded um, with him recently to Abuja to manage one of the biggest isolation centers, which is a partnership between the Central Bank of Nigeria, Sahar Groups, um, FCTA, that's federal, uh, the Federal Capital Territory Agency, Capital uh, Territory Area. Um, this day, which is a newspaper and um, uh, newspaper in Nigeria, one of the forefront newspapers in Nigeria, so it's a, it's a big company. The owner also owns the building, which is the this day dome. It was an entertainment building for shows, weddings, and all that. It was one of the biggest uh, of that in Abuja. So he offered it as an isolation center. So the Federal Ministry of Health was asked to help manage it um, for case management and all that. So that's what took me to Abuja. And then getting to Abuja, Abuja was the epicenter for COVID-19. So that's what basically I've been doing in the last two months. So the center is starting off like in a few days. So we have been trying to put it in order. So it's a 500 bed um, isolation center equipped with ventilators, uh, dialysis machines for complicated cases of COVID and all. I see. So that's so, what I've been doing. Yeah. Wow. wow. That that sounds quite a lot. So would you are you are you working in hand with um, the NDDC or is that like a separate parallel? No, the NCDC. So 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 yes, the way it goes, NCDC works with us in ERA. We have been working with NCDC in ERA for like um, past few years for Lassa fever. So NCDC is in charge of um, the response for COVID. So yes, NCDC is in charge of the labs, they supply reagents, they also support for case management, support for infection prevention and control, that's IPC. And then, so yes, we work with uh, NCDC, like NCDC work with NCDC Federal, so NCDC is also a partner for this isolation center. Right. So NCDC Federal Ministry of Health and also work with NCDC. Yeah. Okay, cool. so that leads us into um, into the next area we were talking about. Have you are you at the moment involved directly with patient care, or is that something that is coming up next? No, in era I was involved with patient care, so I managed several patients of COVID nineteen directly. Also, I have some quite experience. So yeah, it's a novel disease, but I think yeah, for the few cases we have had first hand experience. I've been first um, responder to seeing some patients and manage them to be discharged. So, um, so that, that's one of the reasons why I was um, co-opted for this case management team. 
cool, cool. So yes, I've, I've managed, I've managed, I'm a frontliner, actually recognized by the Federal Ministry of Health as frontliner physician. Take a quick break here to um, give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Giddy Jobs. Um, you can get them at giddyjobs.com, located um, both in the United Kingdom and in Nigeria. Um, Giddy Jobs is uh, one of four thinking recruitment agencies um, founded by like-minded, um, innovative individuals um, looking at getting better jobs and opportunities out to people. That if you're not registered on giddyjobs.com, then what are you doing? If you're based in Nigeria, Lagos, um, anywhere in the country of Nigeria especially, and you are either new to the country, a returnee, or uh, looking for a job, this is a, one of the good places to jump on. Um, they stand out in the fact that they help you optimize your CV, uh, match you to the right jobs um, that are out there. And this also goes for um, companies seeking to employ the right individuals. Giddy Jobs has taken time out to vet their candidates, and this is one of the best places to get like-minded people that should match and fit into the person specification and job opportunities that you have that's giddyjobs.com and get on the website register as you can and um, for those there looking for jobs upload your cvs and then they will get in touch with you giddyjobs.com so it's not all physicians that are frontliners so i volunteered to be a frontline physician for covid19 management okay, okay. yeah so you volunteer to be there. I think yes, going, yes. going forward, the thing, the next thing we want, I wanted to find out is uh, you had general experience because you found out um, that you were feeling unwell in yourself. Can you just tell us what happened? Um, how that, how, how that started? No. So, so yes. Yeah, so I, I, so being in the front line, I, I also in Abuja, we have to visit so many isolation centers to try and see how, how they, how they, they, they were working. And to see how we can adapt that to the one we are trying to start off. So, and then Abuja had a very high caseload, and so I had to we going around. So after spending say six weeks, like no, after spending about eight weeks, about seven to eight weeks, I started to feel ill. Yeah, so I noticed I had a, a fever and um, nasal obstruction. So those were the first symptoms I had. And so immediately I had to isolate in my hotel room. Okay. So the, the, you, yeah. did, you, you isolated initially in your hotel room? Yes, I had to isolate in my hotel room, pending when I get the test done. Okay. And so I, uh, in two days I could get the test done and the test was sent. And then I, it came out positive for COVID-19. Okay. Okay. Just to yeah. give the listeners context, this 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 was this was quite recent. When exactly was this? Um, was this in June or July? Yeah, yeah. It was in June. It was in June, uh, ending of June. Okay. So I don't know now um, to check for the exact date. Maybe just give me a few seconds to see. I can let me just see my calendar and see. Well. They say it was like, um, like last week of June. Last week of June. That's last when I week of June, right? Um, I think right. like on on Wednesday now it will be it will be it will be three weeks ago. 
three weeks. Wow. Wow. Okay. Oh. So the, the yeah. symptoms you felt were fever, um, nasal obstruction. Did you get yeah. the classic symptom of cough or dyspnea? So initially, I just had this fever and then, uh, and it, yeah, there was a bit of a dry cough, but not seen serious. Was not distressing in any way. Just a few times I noticed I coughed, but it wasn't like, like the kind of cough you have that would distress you. And then um, I had some slight headache for a while. And then, but the fever was really worrisome, very high grade fever. Wow. So I had to use um, um, Panadol and um, Ibuprofen to break the fever. Mm-hmm. And so then, then the fever starts to go down after like um, five days. But then again, I was also on hydroxychloroquine, um, zinc, vitamin C, and azithromycin, and also augmenting. Oh, wow. And then the fever broke on the fifth day started coming down on its own without really an antibiotic. So I didn't use any antibiotics on the fifth day. And then but and then and then I noticed that they having some difficulty breathing. All right. So it was on day five you had a difficulty breathing. Yes. I said I had some chest discomfort on the right side. Hmm. And then I noticed I couldn't breathe down and then when I tried to to, to move around in my room to do one or two things, I get tired easily and a bit breathless. But I got the pulse oximeter and then I was checking. The lowest I got was 92. Okay. Just to give my context quickly, when we say antipyretics, we are talking of uh, medications that we use to bring down fever. Things like ibuprofen. And the pulse oximeter is a handheld device that you can use to check your oxygen saturation. Oxygen saturation is the amount of oxygen your blood is carrying, which is one of the parameters we check with people that have come down with um, COVID-19. We check it generally in people with respiratory disorders, to be very honest. Yeah, yeah. So I started having difficulty in breathing. And so I, I, I had to, um, yeah, so I had to try some things. I had to start doing some breathing exercises. Then fever had come down. And then I thought, I felt my expectivity was low. And so I had to inform the hotel people that they should fumigate the room that I was living the next day. So I left the next day to my house in Ewa, where I was just isolated in a room. But then I still had a difficulty in breathing a bit, but my, my, my um, SPO2 never really went below 93. Okay. It was between 93 and 95. Okay. So and then so... Yes, okay. Okay. So I had to do some breathing exercises and then um, I, I, I started on dexamethasone or around dexamethasone. Oh, so you used dexamethasone. Using that as a segue, we can, you mentioned the drugs you use for treatment, um, hydroxychloroquine. Chloroquine. Zinc. Uh, yes. And I used those for five days. And then, so it was afterwards I started having difficulty in breathing. So I completed the hydroxychloroquine for five days, azithromycin for five days. So I continue with the zinc and the um, vitamin C. Vitamin C, okay. Then when the fever had broken, I still continued to and started dexamethasone. Oh, okay. So you added dexamethasone as well. Yeah, yeah. so I took dexamethasone for, for another four days. Okay. 
just 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 out of curiosity, the regimen you use is this the recommended regimen back home? Is this what we? Yes, yes, yes. That's what's recommended. That's what we use for mild cases. Okay. That's chloroquine. Use chloroquine as a tromycin, but not dexamethasone. Okay. It's when it becomes severe we can add dexamethasone. Right, right. So, yeah. is, it, you, is it chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine? I use hydroxychloroquine. You can use chloroquine, but it's chloroquine itches most people. Hydroxychloroquine doesn't itch. That's just the main difference. But basically, right. the same. But but because the theory beside it is that um, it's there are two theories that I can I can lies. Well, it, it it changes the pH now for the um, uh, ECF yes. extracellular fluid area, so the virus can't thrive much there. And then it also allows zinc to penetrate the virus, which prevents replication of the virus. Right. So it's not like it's really we don't look at it like an antivirus; just it's um it makes the virus static. Okay. It seems it seems to have worked because after five days, fever suddenly stops. So I don't know. The only time you can be sure if it doesn't work is if you have to do like visible versus chloroquine, which are ongoing in so many places. But, yeah. Okay. Oh, so um, what do you call it? So are you? Would you say that back home they are doing that? There are ongoing trials. Back. Home no, there are no ongoing trials. We are not doing any clinical trials in Nigeria. Okay. We're just giving this patients based on clinical. Evidence that um, come out for discretion, yes, yeah, so yeah. America, yeah, yeah, waiting for, for, for clinical trials to prove or disprove or bring some other drug. Yeah. But until there's some other drug, we believe this seems to work for my cases. Why not keep giving them? Fair enough, yeah. Fair the only thing is that the only issues were initially people were trying to use for prophylaxis that we strongly discourage. We only give it to patients who are positive. So if I didn't end up being positive, probably I won't take the drug. Fair enough. So it was yeah. mainly for it's mainly treatment, not prophylaxis that is being not prophylaxis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. good. So the the because we mentioned hydroxychloroquine, one of the um, things that came out over here with some of the studies was the um, the side effects, particularly the effect on the heart. Were there any concerns regarding that back home? Yeah, well, I was just, the only thing was that. I've never I've had an ECG done before, and I don't have any issues with prolongation of my QT. Pretty much, pretty much cool. So I didn't have any, I didn't have any arrhythmias. I had normal EEG, which was done. I've done EEG like twice. Yeah. And so because I turned, I became hypertensive when I was um, say thirty-five, and so I had to do that yearly. So I didn't really have any healthy signs of hypertension or. So I think I added some weight, so it was more probably. So I, I'm on anti-hypertensive. Funnily, I'm on AC inhibitors, which I didn't stop. Oh, right. And which was one of the... Well, I think there was some, there was some contention. Yeah, so, so ah. because of the no clear, I said, don't take or don't take, I just continued taking my drug. Pretty much. There was no so, so but, 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 but uh, nothing happened to me, though. <laughs> okay. I just, so I was just, okay. Yeah, just for my listeners, we've just geeked out a bit on medical knowledge. Um, I think that part is more a bit medical where there was some discrepancy or a lack of clarity for high, people with high blood pressure, taking high blood pressure medication. There was a particular one that was a bit of in the contention. But we'll leave that aside if you're not interested in that. If you are interested in that, look at the show notes. I'll put a little note there for you to look that up. 
So we've talked about a bit of treatment and side effects of chloroquine. I think one thing that we want to see is we are trying to give listeners a perspective as to um, you are sharing a personal story of how you faced COVID-19. Um, what, how were, what would you say your emotional state was at that time? Were you anxious? Were you afraid? Or did you have the upbeat mentality? I mean, how would you have described yourself during that trying period? Yeah, it's scary. I was quite lonely, staying alone on isolation. Yeah, it yeah. was a bit crazy. Mm, well, like I, I went somehow, luckily, I seem to be able to stay alone. And then, well, it was a hotel, so there was at least power, and then there was like watch TV, watch football, and then uh, my appetite wasn't so good. Probably the drugs, but I tried to take a lot of fluid and juice, and then tried to make a lot of. Um, I was more on social media, uh, trying to take my mind off it. It's quite. Um, there's a lot of psychosocial issues with the disease, really, and then fear of dying. Too is there because yeah. when I got breathless, I've got to be worried that what my breathless now that the fever was going down and then you know, but because I'm a doctor, I knew that I knew why because of the cytokine storm which occurs during the acute illness, your body trying to respond and, and so there's some collateral damage to the lungs. Right. So probably that's what happened, and so that's why it comes up after the fever. So it's normal, it's, it's, it's documented. So I knew about that. And so that put my mind at rest a bit. And then I knew I just needed to do some breathing exercises. Then checking my SPO2 that it wasn't below 90 or so, I, I was definitely sure it was still mild to moderate. It wasn't really serious. Uh, so I, I, I think I coped fine, yeah. That's good. But so because of information. So yeah. you really need a lot of information about psychosocial aspects. So I think it's something that should be put in when somebody gets ill. Also to let them understand the illness that most cases are mild, if percent are mild, it won't really kill you. If it's going to kill you, it will progress and you will see the progression. But once it's mild, it's going to be mild to the end, you know. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's depressing, really. Yeah. It's depressing. Think, Staying think... in one place for close to 14 days, yeah. Yeah, that, that has been stated a lot by um, fellow people that have talked about the disease, the yeah. loneliness felt, and obviously the uncertainty about life has been talked about. Um, from yeah. what you mentioned, um, obviously, because you being a medical person, you had more knowledge um, about measuring the level of oxygen in your blood, that's the SpO2. For the layman, for instance, how would you describe for them to go about the, what breathing exercises were you doing um, that people can recommend, can tell yeah. them to do? So, yeah, so it's easy, easy breathing exercises. Like, yeah, you, 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 you know, breathing consciously. So you need to consciously take deep breaths, like take deep breaths. Mm, one good way to take deep breaths is like you tuck your stomach in when you're taking the breath. So that's like a diaphragmatic breathing. Yeah. So you really breathe in, holding your stomach, not like breathing with your stomach. So you hold your stomach in and really breathe in so that all the air gets in and hold for a few seconds and exhale. So you do that like, say, five, six times consciously and then try to breathe more. And then again, we're trying to lie down. Uh, once that there's that difficulty of in breathing, it's also difficult lying down on your back. 
so it's better to lie on your tummy. Right, right. Yeah, so always lie on your tummy. And do those breathing exercises once or twice in an hour, and then it, 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 it's, it helps bring out some flame and then it's clear the airway. Yeah, it was quite helpful. That's good. Then possibly, as much as you are a bit learned, you can use a pulse oximeter. So I, I think if somebody's just diagnosed positive, you should just get a pulse oximeter too. It's quite easy to use. A finger, finger oximeter. Okay, so yeah. I think pulse oximeter... So they're not exactly so... Yeah, they're not exactly... So they're not exactly so accurate, but, but at least it gives you an idea. No, once you see anything less than 90, you know it's, it's, it's something worrisome. Oh, so, so going forward with that, I think we've talked about most of the things and how you felt and your recovery. Yeah. Path. Um, now that you've, you've obviously come through it, how are you feeling at the moment now? Well, I kept on getting better and better and better. And then in the last one week, I felt like normal again. Like I, I don't feel that chest difficulty again. My chest is like optimally as it is. I can take my um five um kilometer walk daily without feeling breathless i think my energy levels are high again so i think i fully recovered to some extent okay. well it, it, yeah a few nasa congestions here and there but i think that might just be the weather is cold if it's raining aside that i don't think i have any of the symptoms anymore like i've had a fever it's just the fever stopped yeah, which is good. So I think I, I think I think I recovered fairly well. I, I don't think I have any. Yeah. But I think again, you should uh, for 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 people that have my disease. I think this, there's this this continuous fatigue, which I think you can get over by trying to improve your own energy levels by moving around a bit. So even when you are ill, even if there's some difficulty in breathing, just try to move lightly around. I think staying in one place makes you worse. Yeah. yeah. Which, which the illness tries to do. So you need to push yourself up and move around yeah. a bit. Yeah. So that, yeah. I think that's what, that was what I was trying to get to. Um, there's this new term coming out. It's not an officially coined term yet, but most of um, the general practitioners, GPs here, where you call colloquially using the term post COVID syndrome, where, um, yeah. One of the studies that came out recently has shown that people ha are having some residual symptoms, uh, particularly most ones mentioned include the breathlessness and um, fatigue and something like brain fog that they experience and they're experiencing it up to about three to four months, even after they've recovered from um, the COVID-19 infection, which, which, which you've kind of alluded to by telling people that if they feel fatigued, they need to keep moving around. So yeah, yeah. That, that's something that has been mentioned. It's a new, it's an upcoming area. There are some recommendations which I'll put in the show notes. One of the um, Royal Colleges of Occupational Therapists have come up with um, what's it called, a patient leaflet on how to deal with fatigue post COVID-19. Um, talking yeah. about that, do, do you think, do you have any, um, patient information system for patients back home to give them more information because I know some people find it difficult to access information back um, in Nigeria, how, how to go about things. 
Yeah, well, for, for yeah, this for the post COVID syndrome, yeah, I read about that too. But yeah, for that, nothing much is being done because I think we too need to do some studies to see yeah, what, what exactly patients complain of post treatment. Yeah. But for, for, for the psychosocial aspect in my hospital, particularly, the CMD's wife is also the, the head of the psychiatry unit. Uh, she's a consultant psychiatrist, so she's also very actively, that's her name is Dr. Mrs. Esther Kogbeni. She's also very, very active in um, the psychosocial aspect of the disease. So she already spoke to me on the phone, which, I, which she does for most of the patients. And then she sent, sent me through WhatsApp a pamphlet, which she, if I was close, she would have given me a hard copy of it on how to cope with the, the psychosocial aspect of the disease. So that is done for basically every patient admitted. Which is good, really. Yeah. That, that, so that so, great, so, yeah. great good system. Yeah, so, yeah, so that also helps because the whole psychology thing, like you need to keep, like for the brain fog, I seem to also agree with that because I think too, the isolation does that too. You, you know, when your brain is not active on the right things, it begins to dull up. Yeah, you start to, to think slowly a bit. So, so you need to be active mentally too. So like the brain too, you need some exercise. So you need to exercise the brain. Though pathogenic, pathogenic uh, mechanism have been found to affect the brain. Microthrombies, um, strokes have been seen with it over some form of malaitis, some paraparesis, uh, numbness, people have neuropathies following the illness. Though we, we have not had any study looking at post-COVID um, symptoms here, full up because we are so overwhelmed with managing, managing, managing. But I'm looking at that for this isolation center. When it kicks off next week, yeah. I will, I think I should create a questionnaire for follow-up patients. Yeah. So I think some, some, look, some look. of data collection comes Yes, up. yes, yes. So that we can collect data too and see if they have similar post-COVID and complaints with other parts of the world. Yeah. I know fatigue is one very, very, very common one. Fatigue and then the brain fog, really. Um, I tried to check that up too. There was one from France. It, it was largely fatigue. Yes, some breathlessness was largely fatigue. So right. people continue to complain of fatigue. So like I've had like two colleagues who recovered. That was their main complaint that they kept on saying they still feel tired and tired even one month after. They are not optimal, like what they were pre-COVID. Yeah, so it's something we'll look at, definitely. That sounds, that sounds really interesting. So you've, I mean, you've given us a good picture as to what you've gone through. Um, uh, it's, it's an eye-opener, to be yeah. honest. It's a big eye-opener, because most, most of us just hear it as a statistic on the news or oh, this person had this infection people see it as numbers but getting a real account from a frontline healthcare professional kind of puts things into perspective for a lot of people so yeah, yeah. we've covered quite a lot and um thank you for giving us a big, big perspective as to what's going on how you've recovered and yeah. um, things that we are seeing on ground in nigeria um just to round up uh if people want to get in contact with you on um, social media, um, how can they get in contact with you? Oh, yeah. So for me, okay, first I can start with Facebook. So my Facebook 
my Facebook page. It's my first name, last name. Just search for me, Arame Serial. Mm, A-R-O-M-E-H-C-Y-R-O-I-L. Mm, then for Instagram, um, so my Instagram handle, so it's still the same first name, last name, but it's JG, Juju. J-U-J-U. Yep. S-T-U-S-7-7. J-U-J-U. S-T-U-S-7-7. Then, well, so Lee Candy just search for my my name to first name and last name. Okay. And then um, Twitter. Oh, let me see now. So on Twitter, um, my handle on Twitter is at Oshoma18. At Oshoma18. So what I'll yeah. do for my listeners, I'll drop, I'll drop all the links in the show notes as well. So oh, yeah. if, if anybody wants to reach out to you, they can obviously use those handles to get in contact. Yeah. So yeah. Cyril, Dr. Cyril Aram, so, thank you very much for coming on Dr. Yeah. Surgery today. It's been a pleasure having you. Um, we yeah. look forward to catching up with you later. I think there might be more things to discuss on the front. I mean, the discussion on Lassa fever seems quite interesting. Might be something we can yeah. touch on and discuss in the upcoming future, maybe on my next season of the podcast. Yes, yes. yes. So it's, it's nice. It was a good time with you too, Tosi. Thank you. Very I, oh, my, my long-time classmate. <laughs> yes, yes. It's you good seeing you again. Yes, 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 yes. So thank you so much. I think this is quite good. Giving me an opportunity to share my perspective. So I hope this gets to a lot of people and, and they can benefit and get some help from it. We'll do most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. All right, then. So have thank you so much. Uh, you too. You too. Have a good evening. Bye. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Dr. Cyril Arame. Um, If you have any questions that you want to ask Dr. Cyril, again, his links are in the show notes and um, you can ask him directly. It was really a good revealing episode about someone's personal perspective fighting the disease as a healthcare professional. Um, there are groups on Facebook where people have talked about their disease, but hearing it straight from someone gives you a different picture as to what people have gone through. Um, luckily his was not as um, intense as other people's but he did go through a lot and the psychosocial impact is still there for a lot of people out there and it gives other doctors a perspective as to how to see patients as usual don't forget to leave a five-star review Um, if you haven't subscribed already to the podcast please do so and also drop your comments in the apple podcast section let us know what you think and most importantly share the podcast with your friends on social media if you've enjoyed this episode let other people have and share have and enjoy the same perspective you have until next time catch you on another episode and we'll be bringing more revisiting episodes i've got good episodes lined up on the health side of things and we're coming back to the financial aspect financial health catch you on another episode soon <music>